0: I'm Nichelle Thompson. Welcome to Everything is About Your Health, the podcast. I believe one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to be open-minded to learn, to learn about different professions out there in the world that links to your health, either directly and indirectly. For instance, I operate a manual osteopathy and cold laser clinic in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. For those not familiar with manual osteopathy, it takes a holistic, whole body approach to healthcare. It uses manual, hands-on techniques to improve all aspects of the body, including the skeleton, joints, muscles, nerves, circulation, connective tissue, as well as organs. Internal functions like metabolism, respiration, and reproduction can also be improved without the use of drugs here at heat therapy holistically elite active therapy we utilize bioflex cold laser units to help accelerate healing on a cellular level it is a light based technology proven to be highly effective in the treatment of musculoskeletal problems and wound healing we have had many success stories with this technology people have avoided surgeries reduced and eliminated medication and reduced or eliminated all sorts of pain so please Join us on this journey as we interview all sorts of professions and how they link to your health, either directly and indirectly. Mike Kameto is the Director of Applied Research and Innovation at Cambrian College. He oversees all applied research projects at Cambrian involving students, faculty, and industry partners. Outside of his work at Cambrian, Mike is a writer and author. He is a team historian for the Sudbury Wolves, a writer for the LA Kings, and the author of Hockey 365. Please welcome Mike Camito. So Mike, you are the Director of Applied Research and Innovation, but also you are a writer for the LA Kings, which for those of you who don't know, that's an NHL team. So uh, how do you manage to do both?
1: Time management, I think is like organizing myself (laughs) is key key to all that. So like I, during the day I'm doing my Cambrian work, obviously, first and foremost, Uh, there are times when I'll take a call during the day to do an interview. But all of my work for the Kings and all the writing is at night. So it's often about uh, just trying to find that time in the evenings to carve out time to get a story written. Again, I'm not writing uh, too, too often for the Kings. I'm probably re- re- averaging right now, I'd say two to three stories a month, which is still Thanks. you know, pretty decent output for me. I'm, like, I'm happy with that. I'd, I'd love to do more, but ultimately you only have so much time in the day. And so it really just kind of comes down to knowing that you have a few hours in the evening before you know, you start to crash. And so mm-hmm. I just try to find the time and try to organize myself during the week to say, I know I have to write a story this week, so we'll transcribe the interview, you know, after, after Zoe goes to bed, my daughter, and then, you know, after that, I'll try to write the story after my wife goes to bed. So it's, it's really kind of maximizing those, those opportunities.
0: That's good. Um, like, so when you say interview, are you like talking about interviewing the players or coaches or like what's the whole process?
1: Yeah, so I'll interview. So like I was primarily when I got into writing for the Kings about uh, just over a year and a half ago now, it was more for history. So I was interviewing a lot of former players, former coaches, former management. I've been doing a little more current stuff these days. So I haven't talked to any current players this year, but I've talked to some of the Kings prospects who are playing in the Ontario Hockey League. I've talked to, you know, some of the Kings staff who who are currently doing things like scouting for the club. So because they're usually in LA or they're somewhere else and I'm in Sudbury, I'll interview them over the phone. Um, I've had a couple of opportunities this year where some of their prospects come to Sudbury to play against the Wolves, so I've gone to the rink, interviewed them there, which is kind of nice to get a face-to-face interview. It's not something I get to do a lot of based on my location. So it's obviously different talking to somebody face-to-face, over the phone, you know, you can kind of get away with maybe the question didn't come out the way you wanted to, you don't have to look them in the face and then try to, you know, do it again, right? So, um, but yeah, that's typically how it works, I'll interview them, go home, transcribe it, put the story together.
0: Another cool factor that you told me is you actually got a chance to speak to Wayne Gretzky. Yes. How was that experience and what did you guys talk about? <laughs> yeah, so that
1: was that was a pretty surreal moment, definitely a career highlight, I don't think I'll be able to top that, uh, at least from like a hockey player perspective. So. We, I was talking to Wayne Gretzky. It was the 25th anniversary of when he became the NHL's all-time goal-scoring leader. Mm. Um, so that was last year. But the actual funny part about that, because we just actually just talked about, like, what does he remember from that goal? Like, what did it mean to pass his idol, Gordie Howe? I asked him if he thought Alex Ovechkin was going to beat his record, and he said yes. Although Ovechkin still got a lot of work to do, but I think he'll do it. But the funny thing was that I was actually... That was another example where, like, Cambrian is, like, my full-time career. Yeah. And the LA Kings is kind of like my side hustle, like hobby project. I was out for lunch with a client and I knew that Wayne Gretzky was going to call me that day. I just didn't have an idea. Yeah. They didn't know. And so the lunch was ending and like my phone rings and it's like from Thousand Oaks, California. And it obviously doesn't say Wayne Gretzky because I don't have him in my phone yet, but I know who it is. Yeah. And I'm like, I look at my phone, I look at the client and I put my phone back in my pocket Wow. Because it was the first time I'd met her. We yeah. were trying to scope out a project. Yeah, We were at lunch and I'm like, what am I going to do right now? I could run into the bathroom in this restaurant and like take out my phone, take out my tape recorder do the interview in the bathroom, come back fifteen minutes later. Yeah. Be really like
0: Yeah,
1: not, not time, not very professional. So I, I did the thing that I thought was best and like screened. So you do a
0: phenomenal job of balancing both actually. That yeah. Sounds a bit-
1: but then I got back to campus and I told my colleagues are like, You why did you do that? You should have answered the phone and I told my boss and she's mm-hmm. like, Why wouldn't you have answered? It's Wayne Gretzky. So yeah. It all worked out. He ended up calling me back later that day from my office at Cambrian. So we did the call there, did the story, which was great. Which so that worked was,
0: out probably better
1: anyway. Yeah, and then I ended up writing a story about the story behind the phone call that, like, I screened Wayne Gretzky's phone call. Which again, I <laughs> never would have thought I'd do that in a million years. But again, that's how much like Cambrian. The Cambrian is Cambrian job is my career and it's important to me, right? Yeah. So I felt I shouldn't mix the two. But it's funny, now that it all worked out, everyone at Cambrian is like, you're an an idiot. You should have answered that phone (laughs) call. So next time, if he calls, I'll I'll definitely answer.
0: So again, just as a reminder of what I said before, so you are the director of Applied Research and Innovation. So what does Applied Research and Innovation
1: mean? Yeah, so Applied Research at Cambrian, all colleges for the most part across Canada have an Applied Research Department. And what it's for is to help industry partners access faculty, students, and equipment at colleges. And so what we do is if an industry partner comes to us and says, you know what, I have a really innovative idea for a new product or prototype, or I want to innovate a process I have, but I don't have the the resources or the capacity to do it, they'll come to a college like Cambrian, and they'll work with our faculty and our students to do that project. And so we so can
0: actually make it real.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cool. So we've had companies come in who have an idea on the back of a napkin where they're like... I really think that this is something that's important in the mining industry, for example, but I don't really know how to make it kind of happen. Mm -hmm. And so we'll take that idea and actually bring it to life through the course of an applied research project. So that's, I think that's where the term applied research comes from is because unlike at the university where they're doing research for the sake of research, where you're doing Mm -hmm. discovery based research to ultimately lead to new innovations and discoveries, we're taking that latest knowledge and technology from the research and applying it Mm -hmm. to a real world challenge. And so at the end of the project, the students you know get a work experience working with the company and the company gets something that they can then bring to market or commercialize um, which
0: is huge on their resume too right mm-hmm. so obviously this is expensive where do you guys get all the funding for this
1: yeah so it is it is uh, applied research is something that's recognized across the country and provincially as something that's important to have as a mechanism for industry and so we have a lot of industry academic funds that we tap into so provincially there's an organization known as the ontario Stars of excellence uh, It uses ministry money from the government to uh, fund R&D projects and then federally it's the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada, NSERC, and they fund industry academic collaborations as well. So what it means is that when we scope out a project, we'll typically have to go through the steps of like, what are we doing? What are the milestones So, what kind of uh, outcomes are we looking to achieve? What kind of science and disciplines are we looking to involve? And then we'll build a scope of work and a budget for that. And then the industry partner will have to contribute some amount of cash in order to leverage these funds from these industry academic funders. And so that'll give us an overall budget to execute the project. Mm. And the great thing for the industry partner is that ultimately they get this funding they wouldn't have access to otherwise because it is only reserved for colleges who are working with industry partners. Uh, and they're getting to do so at a reduced amount. So they're not paying, let's say we did a $50,000 project, they're not paying the full $50,000. They're paying, you know, um, a subsidized portion of that, which is the incentive for them to work okay. with the colleges.
0: So if I'm a student, like obviously money's tight, I get paid for this as well? Or is Absolutely. This, okay. Yeah. So that's amazing too, right? Yeah.
1: So they get, all of our students who work in applied research do get paid. Uh, so it's over and above their coursework. And what we what the great thing about applied research is, is that it's taking the skills they're learning in the classroom and it, and it allows them to kind of work on them on a real industry problem. So they're really kind of working towards those vocational outcomes, but they're doing it with a real industry partner. Um, so it's not a lab simulation or or a test. This is a real company that's come to the college. They obviously value what our students and our faculty can do. And so it gives the students a really good opportunity to potentially work with the company that may hire them down the road. Yeah. And even if they don't hire them directly, they now have something they can put on their resume to say, yeah. I worked on this, this company problem with, with company X and, and here's what they've done with it. Right.
0: Absolutely. So walk us through the process a little bit. So say I come in and I'm, I'm a student, I'm completely new. Is there like, um, cause I'm sure there'd be multiple students who have mm-hmm. uh, jobs and you can pick everybody's or there's a interview process with that. How does that work?
1: Yeah. So typically what happens is our, we have a business development team, uh, and myself that work with industry partners to find out what kind of problem they're looking to solve. And then we'll figure out if it's uh, if it's welding or fabrication or electrical, mechatronics, all these came in as 80 plus programs. So it really kind of depends on who the company is and what their challenge is we'll find the appropriate faculty. So
0: really, if they come to you with an idea, that's basically, you guys will try to fulfill that? It's yeah, just, wow. yeah. If, if we
1: if we have the capacity at the college, we okay. will we will do whatever we can to do it. If it's something where we know that we don't have the programming available, then okay. obviously it's not something that we could, you know, for reasonably do. But once we kind of have identified the fact that the faculty are available, they're interested, it seems like a project that is doable, okay. we'll kind of bring them in and that's when we'll start to flesh out what the scope of work would look like. And then at that point, we'll have an idea of how many students we need. And typically our, our projects are inter, interdisciplinary. So we'll have students from multiple programs working together. So you may have projects that involve like 10 students, but they may be from three or four different programs. Hmm. And so once those opportunities become available, we'll post them on the career portal at Cambrian. The students will apply as they would any other on-campus job They'll go through an interview process and then they'll be uh, hired on as Cambrian College employees, but working on this uh, specific project. So
0: that actually sounds quite fulfilling. Yeah, really. It must not. So it's not uh, something that's really ever boring. That's pretty cool to see the potential future prototypes and stuff. That is yeah, on. and they and they love
1: it because again, it's it's in their program area, right? So this is mm. what they live for. This is what they they're doing in the classroom anyway. So for them to be able to kind of take what they're doing and really be a leader on a project because as much as the faculty are on these projects, it's the students that are driving them. So they're the ones who are kind of getting to really kind of test out those skills they've been you know, developing. They get to work with the industry partners, get some mentorship from them as well. So it really is a great opportunity and the fact that they get paid is, is obviously mm-hmm. the icing on the cake.
0: So I'm not sure if I can ask this, but what's the coolest thing that in your opinion has been developed or is currently being developed?
1: Yeah, so we have quite a few projects that are underway right now. A lot of them have, they're under non-disclosure agreements because the industry partners yeah. are looking to get gain a competitive advantage by working okay, with Cambrian. Cool. But one that I would say for sure is the coolest is the, I mentioned earlier how companies come to us with the idea on the back of a napkin. This was a company that had this idea and brought it to life. He identified... Uh, a gap in the mining industry where there's yeah. more and more smartphones okay. and tablets underground. Yeah. The issue is where do you charge these all, right? You can't just mm-hmm. like plug in on the side of a drift. You're going to either have to charge it in a vehicle or in a refuge station if there's available power there for 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 an outlet, right? And so his idea would be to develop a multi-port charging system that was... That could hold up to the conditions underground mm-hmm. charge multiple devices at once and, and obviously not catch on fire so to have all those mm-hmm. uh those features. uh those features that would prohibit it from doing that uh, and that way you could either plug it into a refuge station or hardwired into the electricity underground and then that way you'd have like that kind of outpost where you'd have all of the tablets in the, the smartphones charging at the same time there's indicator lights that tell you how close it is to full charge uh, and we worked with multiple disciplines on that project really took it from idea uh, to actualize it, he has orders now with some local mining companies that want to bring it into their their operations. Isn't
0: that just so cool?
1: It is really cool, and it does look really sharp. Um, I wish I could. Obviously, you'd have to use your imagination if you're listening to this. But we had graphic design work on it as well, so they yeah. kind of gave it the, the look and oh, feel that he cool. wanted. So again, it has a That's slick cool. look. It's high this visi- high visibility yellow. They gave it a name as well, so it really kind of was like cool. our hallmark project because it was something that came in as. He knew, he knew what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and then it was kind of like Cambrian kind of paved the way to get him to where he is now, where he's now commercializing and, and bringing it to market.
0: So for all of those listening, if you have an idea, Cambrian is yes. the place that Cambridge. you want to go. And you also have a PhD as well, what do you have a PhD in?
1: So it's in history, um, I did my PhD, I finished it in 2015 at McMaster. Uh, and my PhD looked at the the history of black bear hunting and management in Ontario.
0: Mm. So it
1: was a very niche,
0: twist. <laughs> yeah, very
1: niche topic. Definitely different from what I'm doing now in terms of writing about hockey and then doing applied research. Um, but yeah, there was uh, I, I was really into that. There was I, I studied environmental history for many years, and I thought that bear hunting was obviously a pretty contentious topic around here in Sudbury. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was a great time because as a historian, it's great when the research you're doing kind of ties into current events. And so yeah. I was able to kind of get a lot of um i think leverage what i was researching and kind of tie it to some of the debates we were having about spring bear hunting and I got to do a lot of cool stuff with it after I graduated um, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my, my life. I was, I was going to a lot of the local schools and doing bear-wise safety training with the students. So I would go in and talk to them about how you shouldn't put your garbage out uh, the night mm-hmm. before. I had a big bear coat I would wear. The students seemed <laughs> to love it. So that was fun for a little bit. And then I kind of retired the bear coat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you moved on, obviously, to yeah. bigger and better things and potentially playing a role in one of the things that changed the world one day, so that's pretty cool. So if people want to get a hold, you mentioned that your Cambrian email was the best way. So I'll get you to um, send me that so we can leave it in the comments for everybody. And then also for the hockey people who are super interested um, in following Mike, you said Twitter, you have a very, very good following. You release a lot of your stuff on that. So what's yeah. your Twitter? You can give me that as well, but just for people listening. Yeah.
1: So my handle is at Mike Comito and it's C O M M I T O. Yeah. So that's where you'll find all the stuff I do for the, uh, for the Kings. Most of the team is storing for the Sudbury Wolves, So I do some stories for them a little bit here and there. Uh, but yeah, and you'll find a lot of hockey history facts there as well. So if that's your thing, definitely go there.
0: Yeah, well, thank you, Mike, for taking time no to share, you. uh, your story about Wayne Gretzky and yeah. all that. And uh, uh, Have a great day. Yeah,
1: thanks. Thanks for having
0: me. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast if you found it to be educational and know someone who would benefit. This is Nichelle Thompson on Everything is About Your Health, the podcast.